In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text is the Gospel reading, which I've already read. Please be seated. People loved by God, today we begin to look to the end of all things. We are at the end of the church's year of grace, and we take up themes of Christ's return in judgment in order that we know what to look for as the time draws near. This is good, because as biblical literacy dwindles among us, it can be confusing and sometimes scary to think about the return of Christ when we don't know what to expect. And so this week, we will focus particularly on the judgment itself. First, let's define a few of the characters in the story. The Son of Man is Jesus. He's also the one that appeared in Daniel as the Ancient of Days. He is the one who will come from his heavenly throne to judge both the living and the dead. Even before the court is in session, the angels gather all the people in the world. The sheep and the goats will be separated. The sheep are those who belong to Christ by his grace. And the goats are those who have rejected Christ and his promises in this mortal life. It is rather interesting to note that Jesus' description of the judgment echoes in many ways the judgment that we read in Daniel, but also at the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 20. There, as John sees the judgment taking place, he describes it for us. This is what he writes. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, And the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now this is more or less what Jesus describes here in our gospel readings. He reads the deeds of both the sheep and the goats, and then the sentence is pronounced and carried out. Now one of the things that I would like to note here in particular is that Jesus does, in this passage, speak of hell as a real and eternal place of eternal punishment. Many theologians, even in the Christian church today, outright reject the idea of hell. The Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, which is the more theologically liberal Lutheran church body here in the United States, had a theologian, actually their their bishop, at at least at the time, who infamously said a few years ago that while hell may be real, she doesn't believe that anybody is there. She believes that Jesus rescues everyone out of hell despite what they believed and despite what they did in this life. But is this what Jesus here describes? I don't think you can fit those two ideas into this text. Certainly not. 
In fact, some will even claim that Jesus never speaks of hell, but Matthew 25 and a host of other passages from the four Gospels beg to differ. Dear saints, this is a warning that those who reject Christ and his word in this life are rejecting the salvation that has already been accomplished for them in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hell is nothing more than the logical extension of a life lived apart from God and his means of grace. In Romans 1, St. Paul speaks of God handing sinners over to their sinful desires as a form of punishment. In other words, sin is punished with more sin. Sin blinds us then to the grace of God. This does teach us something about the nature of hell. The one who rejects Christ clearly does not want to have anything to do with God in this life, and so God allows that person to go into a place that is completely devoid of God's love and his grace for all eternity. It is sad to think that God allows people that we love to go into hell, but we must remember that God, in fact, loves them even more than we do. For God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for them all, that he would give them eternal life. But unfortunately, they rejected him. But there is something else here about hell that Jesus slips in here that should make us sit up and take notice. He says to the goats, after reading the sentence to them, he says, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. These are words of startling condemnation. Jesus tells us that these goats who lived their lives apart from God and his word, who rejected his means of grace, who also then neglected to love their neighbor, the two are intimately connected to one another, Jesus tells them they are to depart into the eternal fire of hell. But notice how Jesus describes hell in this verse. He says that it was prepared for the devil and his angels. Imagine how Jesus is using this phrase here. Jesus is telling us that God does not want the sinner to die and to be lost forever. I mean, how often do we see this kind of this thinking in the scriptures? Let's take a quick tour. In Genesis, it is not Adam and Eve who flee to God after the fall into sin, but it is God who goes to them, who promises to them that the Savior would be born of the Virgin Mary, that he was the one who would make the sacrifice that would pay for their sins forevermore. Through the prophet Ezekiel, God says, As I live, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked should turn from his way and live. Again, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 2, God, our Savior, desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so, this is why Jesus has sent his son, or why God has sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to bear our sins and to be our Savior. He has taken the punishment that our sins deserve upon himself. He has taken, in fact, our sins upon himself, that we might become in him the righteousness of God. 
Jesus has become one of the goats in order that we might become one of his sheep. Dear saints, listen to what Jesus says to the sheep. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. These are words that should be inscribed upon our hearts. Jesus has prepared for us a kingdom from the foundation of the world. This means that even before God uttered the phrase, let there be light, he was already preparing a place for you in his kingdom. Before you were born, God knew you. And he knew that he would send his son to rescue you from death and hell. In his first epistle, St. Peter writes, You were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake. This also means that even before the fall into sin, God had planned to send his son Christ to be the substitute for us in death. Even before the rebellion of Satan, God knew what, he would, what would take place in the garden, and he knew what he was going to do. And so likewise, St. John writes in Revelation 13, that the names of all who belong to God are written in the Lamb's book of life. Even before the foundation of the world, he says. And so this is why John said, or Jesus says in John chapter 14, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And so with this story today, and with the promise of the kingdom that Jesus has prepared for you, Jesus is reminding you that his eternal kingdom, that you will have eternal life with him in his kingdom, is yours. It is not something to look forward to as a future possession only, but it is yours right now. This is why the Holy Spirit calls and gathers the church together every week around His Holy Word and the means of grace. It is by these things that the Lord God points us to Jesus, who has shed His blood for us, and by His innocent suffering death has redeemed us from sin and death and hell forever. By these things, God has declared you to be righteous, that is, without sin, that you may be fit for his kingdom. The author C.S. Lewis writes, The Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. And in so doing, has he not blessed you beyond all measure? You have the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation even now. You have been declared good by the Lord Jesus, who bore your sins upon the cross that you might inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And so now, let us then turn 
to the least of Christ's brothers and to care for them. To take the blessings that God has given to us in this material life and provide for our children a Christian education, a place to hear God's word and to receive his gifts. And let us do so now and for future generations. In Jesus' name, amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.